Did you know that kinky wellness is integral to your self-development? Hi, my name is Dana Shrigal. I'm a kinky wellness coach and owner of The Partition, home of kinky wellness. Each Monday, I bring on a guest to discuss why kinky sexual wellness deserves a seat in the wellness conversation. You can catch my solo shows on Wednesdays, but let's jump into it. Hey, and welcome back to this week's episode of The Partition Podcast. Today, we are joined by Dr. Lynn Anderson to talk about holistic healing. Dr. Lynn is a naturopath, yoga nutritional therapist, fitness professional, karma master, published author and international speaker, and video producer with over 30 years of experience in the field of natural health and fitness. Dr. Lynn has been featured in Redbook, Reader's Digest, Huffington Post, Shape, Self, and other various national publications, TV networks, and podcasts. Dr. Lynn is the author and producer of the Soul Walking series, Karma, Prosperity, Vitality, and the Naturopathic Wellness Series, The Yoga of Nutrition and Recipes for Health, Sex, and Happiness and Love, and Dr. Lynn's Proactive Aging Workouts, DVDs, and TV appearances with international distribution. She's also the CEC author, Burnout, It All Happens to Us. So let's welcome Dr. Lynn to the show and get right into it. Thank you for coming on the show, Dr. Lynn. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited about our topic. <laughs> I am. So today's topic is all about holistic health and holistic living and what that means to us. So I want to start with just what is holistic health and what does that mean for you? Okay. Well, holistic health means that we look at all aspects of who we are. We are body, we are mind, and we are soul. And oftentimes when we think of holistic health, we get caught up in the body and the vitamins and the minerals and all of that kind of stuff. And that's one part of it. But as a naturopath, we believe that your body, your mind, and your soul must be integrated and into balance. And that's how you create holistic health. You know what? I love that. I do believe that a lot of people forget about the mind and maybe they kind of, maybe they do a 10 minute meditation. Maybe they do kind of do relaxation, but they don't, sometimes it takes a long time. Like you really need to carve out a big chunk of your day to making sure that you're okay. Cause it affects everything, your nervous system, how you operate. Yeah. And I will tell you, you know, I, I have been, um, of course, teaching, I've been a yoga master teacher for about 40 years, along with writing and a holistic doctor as well. And I would have many people who would come to my class and, you know, physically they'd look great. And then we'd have a little conversation yeah. and mentally they were all over the map, all over the place, you know? And so it, you know, that, and then what does that do? Eventually that affects their physical self. So it works together. So always, you know, things aren't always just as we see them. Yeah, exactly. And I do believe that there's power. If you if you tell yourself, oh, I'm stressed out constantly or I'm worried constantly, you're just reaffirming that. And it's the equivalent of when I see in offices, don't worry around their offices. It's kind of putting into someone's mind to worry because exactly. you don't register the don't. So yeah, that's exactly true. <laughs> So that's wonderful. So through this, now you mentioned that there's natural sexual health. So what would that be like? Well, you know, when we think of health, what do we think of? We immediately think of our bodies. We think of, you know, again, our minds. We think of, you know, what it what it takes to be healthy. But we forget that while we're trying to take care of the health of our heart, let's say our kidneys, our skin, our circulation, we forget that there's this component to us, which is called our sexuality. Mm. 
And your sexuality is driven by your health because your sexuality is dependent upon your hormones. Hormones are dependent upon what you feed them. So we have to take in the right vitamins and minerals in order to support the hormones that support our sexuality. So that's one component of it. The other component is obviously you need a healthy body to have a healthy sexual life. I mean, somebody who's weak and sick there's not much of a drive there for the sexuality. So that's really what it means is taking a step back and, and looking at our sexuality as part of our being. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when it comes to sexual wellness, it's one of the last wellnesses that people will acknowledge. Like we will go into uh, eye doctor's appointments, everything like this, but then yeah, sexual wellness is the last one. And I think it comes down to a lot of factors stress time but again it comes back to taking control of carving out the time to focus on that mm -hmm. so what would people need to do to achieve a more natural sexual health well it, it of course it all begins with the diet and that's really what holistic health is all about you know it's there are three pillars of health it's a diet exercise and sleep those things are essential people have to balance out those three pillars in order to have health so if you want to have a healthy sexual self you have to first begin with the diet you have to first begin with the exercise taking care of the physical part but there's also a mental part in there too you know there's a mental part which is called desire. You know, mm -hmm. we as human beings are hardwired for something called pleasure. And oftentimes in our society, you know, it's like, well, no, 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 we need to stay away from pleasure. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. But that's not true. We are driven by pleasure. And pleasure is a very good thing. When pleasure becomes problem is when we take it to extreme. And that's when we get into trouble. So it is important also to understand what pleasure is and how to mentally move yourself also into that sexual place as well as physical health. Absolutely. Now you mentioned that if we take it to extremes, would that be someone who indulges too much in pleasure specifically, almost like a, an addiction tendency? Yeah. And we, we have addictions in all kinds of, there are sexual addictions. There are mm -hmm. people who are, you know, that, that is an addiction, drug addictions. So it's taking things over that line of where it becomes an addiction. It becomes, it starts ruling your life rather than you ruling it. You know, there's a big difference there. And when we do cross that line, that's when we get into all kinds of trouble. That's when we get down that road and we start doing things that we normally wouldn't do. Mm hmm. I also find that if you don't put in pleasure, you are seeking it like we're constantly always looking for it. So if you don't build pleasure in, then you can stumble into these things where you're getting it negatively. It, it, absolutely. Because, again, there's elements of society that, you know, will shame you for for pleasure. And yet, if you go back to it, if humans didn't have the drive for pleasure, there would never be innovation. We would never procreate. It wouldn't happen. Life would disappear without, you know, that drive for pleasure. Dopamine. Why do we have dopamine in us? Why do we have these neurotransmitters? They are so that we are driven to these things so that we create, so we innovate, so that we procreate. It's when we take them over to the other side that we get into trouble. Absolutely. Now you mentioned ways to, it comes back to our diet. And now I know that you have a book called Sex Matters and you write specifically a large chunk of it around food. Now, how does the food that we eat affect our moods? 
Well, you have, you know, minerals and vitamins are what you need in your body. It's, the body doesn't care about what food you put in there. It doesn't care. It says, I need these vitamins. I need these minerals to operate. Now, if you give me these in these kinds of foods, I'll operate properly for you. I'll find my balance. But of course, we don't do that. We dump empty foods and empty calories in there. And then the body gets worn down and it just, it can't operate properly. So it's really important that we feed it the vitamins and, and minerals that it needs. For example, um, you know, vitamin E is something that your sex hormones need vitamin E in order to keep them healthy and strong. So that would be an example of one thing. So we have to make sure we get foods in there that supply us with the vitamin E that we need, the minerals that we need in order to support the hormones and the function of the hormones. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I think a lot comes down to, we have so much processed food that I think that a lot of people just believe that it's healthy because it's on the shelf. Now I, I just did a research about, there are certain chemicals that we have in our foods that other countries just don't operate with. And it is, we have to really focus on what we're putting in because they are empty. Not only are they empty, they're actually harming us. <laughs> Exactly. Well, you know, there's a thing called the um, protein hypothesis, and it is a hypothesis. So it's not a, you know, it's not a, a rule yet, but scientists did this research project. And what they found was that the body needs so much protein in order to operate properly. So the body sits there, imagine, and it goes, okay, give me my daily pro protein and I'll work just fine. So we put food in and we, we put processed food in and there's no protein. The body keeps going, uh, I need protein, I need protein. And so we keep eating and eating and eating. And they think that this may be, this is part of that spiral of putting on weight, mm. of depression, of anxiety, is that we're not giving the body what it needs. So the body's in there screaming at us and we're just not, we're not listening to it. That's the whole key. You got to listen to what's going on in your body. Mm -hmm. I think listening can be extremely hard with all the distractions that we have currently. And it's very easy. Just if you have the slightest pain, people just take an Advil very quickly, Tylenol, just constantly. And they don't think about the effects of it. Right, right. Well, as a naturopath, our focus is prevention over cure. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, I'd much rather prevent than have to cure something, yeah. you know, <laughs> I mean, that's really the direction, but we don't always go in that direction. You know, we live in a society that is, um, wants instantaneous, you know, mm -hmm. everybody wants the magic bullet. Everybody wants the magic wand and it doesn't exist. It never has existed and it never will exist. It's called work. You mm -hmm. got to work to get somewhere, you know, and, and you've got to work your body if you want to keep it healthy. Absolutely. And you mentioned something about vitamin E. Now, do you have any examples of what vitamin E foods would be? Well, you can get vitamin E in vegetables and fruits. You know, vitamin E is, is every, you know, it's in most of our foods that okay. we eat. So you can, you can get it in, if you're eating a natural healthy diet, then you're going to get vitamin E in there. You're going to get your D in there. You're going to get the vitamins and the minerals that you need. So it's more, not so much just a specific food because it's a little complicated here, but foods work vitamins and minerals work synergistically. The world is a synergist. What that means is connected. There's no disconnect in the world. An example of that would be if you take calcium into your body, it needs the, it needs um, mag magnesium 
in order to act as a coenzyme to make sure that calcium does its job. So we forget and we start to, as humans, extract things and say, well, calcium's good for your bones. Calcium by itself doesn't work. It's got to have the magnesium. They've got to, because the everything in the universe, nature is synergistic. Everything is interconnected and everything is dependent upon everything else in order to work properly. Wow, that's very enlightening. Like I think- I that's something that I didn't know up until this point like it is true like people don't think that they'll take their vitamin c every single day and then nothing changes exactly well an orange for example if you look at an orange uh, the outer part of it there's that stuff Mm -hmm. that's called bioflavonoid and vitamin c works efficiently and effectively when it has the bioflavonoids with it that's how nature provided everything nature said pick that orange, take the peel off and eat the white stuff and the, and the orange, and you're going to get your vitamin C. But what do we do? We throw away the flesh. We throw it all away. We extract out the, the juice, put it in a container and call it vitamin C. And, <laughs> and what we've done is we've taken, we've destroyed what nature has naturally provided for us. If we just look to nature, she's got all the answers. Yeah. Um, well, there's a word that that comes up like homeostasis. So what that means balance as well. So like in our body, we do have balance. Right. So can you explain more what homeostasis actually means? Well, homeostasis would be sort of like, let's take your metabolism. When your metabolism is in perfect balance, you have homeostasis. That's what it means. It means everything is working in a balance connected system. So everything is working just the way it should be. Now, you can have everything working there and all of a sudden you got stress. You know, that saber-toothed tiger is chasing you down the road, you know, <laughs> and and all and then your body has to has to react to that and of course that's going to throw things off balance. But if you are in really good health when it throws you off balance, you will come back to that homeostasis. Your body will naturally bring you back. It's it's a miraculous machine the body. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that explanation. So I do have another question and it's the age old question of, is there such thing as an aphrodisiac? First off, there is no such thing as an aphrodisiac. That's what I also say in the book. There's no such thing as a true aphrodisiac. And believe me, for since the beginning of time, everyone's been looking for that aphrodisiac. And if I had it, I'd be a multimillionaire. But there are certain foods and things that do certain things for us. Like, for example, now the one I like to always talk about is chocolate, because everybody likes to talk about chocolate. Chocolate has a, a, a chemical. Now we're talking real dark chocolate. We're not talking milk chocolate. We're talking real chocolate, the cocoa. Okay. And it's called phenylethamine. And phenylethamine, and we call it P for short, P-E-A, is like an amphetamine. So it's kind of like it lifts you up. That's why we get that charge when we have chocolate. You know, you get that little charge up. And that's why chocolate has always been called an aphrodisiac. Because when in the olden days, a man would bring a woman chocolates, bring his sweetheart, and it was to give her that little oomph. So, that, ooh, you know, and we all know what that feels like when we get that little oomph. So there's a perfect example of a neurochemical of something that out of out of chocolate, cocoa, that comes into our body and feeds our hormones. And that's what we call aphrodisiacs. And so that's why chocolate has always been called an aphrodisiac. 
Another one I'll give you, and this one actually has um, a lot of vitamin E in it, and that's um, avocados. Avocados, now, okay. Avocados. Now, there's a thing called the signature of doctrines, which what that means is it means that things look like what they are, whatever they're supposed to be. They kind of have that look. Well, avocados kind of look like testicles. They do. If you look at them, they yeah. look like testicles. <laughs> yeah. And in the, and there's this old, old and in the olden olden days, the women were never allowed to go out and pick avocados off the tree because they were touching what was like, uh, you know, testicles. So it was <laughs> men used to do the those and and therefore avocado was always considered an aphrodisiac. Well, when we take the science apart, we find wow, it's a real good source of vitamin E. It's a real good source of these different vitamins and minerals that support the male health, the female too, but also helps supports the male health. So it's kind of called the male fruit. That's hilarious, actually. I didn't know so the eat history. Eat your guacamole. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So what did prompt you to write this book? Well, what prompted me was that, of course, I'm a holistic practitioner, and I got thinking one day about, you know, um, I, I believe I had a client that came to me, and they were doing dealing with some sexual issues, and so we started working on that, and I thought, wow, I mean, people aren't focused on their sexual health, and sexuality, we see it as such a sometimes in society we take it to it, you know, it's porn, pornography, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's out here somewhere, when really it's such an essential part of our health. Mm. The very first thing you are in this world is a sexual being before you have a name, before you have anything. That sperm and that egg comes together and it creates a sexual being. And when a woman is pregnant, what are, what's the first thing they tell them? It's a boy or a girl. Mm -hmm. Now, what the sexual orientation is after that or what happens, your sex, you are driven your whole life by your sexual orientation from the moment you were conceived all the way through. And it's such an essential part of our life that I thought, wow, we ought to pay attention to the health of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's very powerful. Powerful. Sorry. So do you have like two or three things that you can share with us from your book? what diet or well, just like things that you believe that people should really, really focus in and hone in when it comes to their sexual wellness. Well, I think one of the things, and this is, you know, we uh, as humans uh, evolved beyond the other animal species and other animals, if you think about it, their sexuality is really driven by a sense of smell. That's how animals procreate. And that was where humans were prehistoric time but humans evolved to a point where they were using they use their eyes so we become very visual now so we're very visual and we see somebody and we have a visual you know i like that person i'm attracted to that person but we have to pay attention to all the other senses and here's why have you ever seen someone across a room and they're really good looking person and you go over and they open their mouth and their voice just blows it you're just like, yeah. oh, <laughs> no, thank you. I need to move away. Or, you know, we and because we are attracted to somebody, not just by sight, but by sound, smell is extremely important and touch what we hear. All of our senses have to be working in order for us to be able to be attracted to an individual. And yet, what do we do? We mostly think about eyes. 
and mm. and we're a very visual society anyway you know we were and we're so caught up in the internet and social media that you know we look at something and we think oh that's good looking that's good looking but we don't really understand all the other elements of it so it's important to be able to look at the whole person and understand that I love what you mentioned about smell, actually, because I know that there was a study that was put out about how birth control will stop a woman's scent. And so there's a lot of women that are going out and on birth control, they have a loving marriage, and then they get off birth control to conceive, and their marriage falls apart because they can't look at their spouse the same way because all of those, the smell impact and those things have changed it. And I believe that that is something that... I don't know anybody who knew like when I first started this, I was telling my friends and family members and they were shocked by this and that no one told them. And when you see or when I see the stats of like divorces and things like that, I can't help but be like, this has to be a part of it. This has to be a part of it. Yeah, we'll take it right back. We'll go back and we'll touch on aromatherapy a little bit here, because if you take it right back to the animal kingdom, which we are part of our sense of smell is what drives us. It, it, it drives that procreation. And our sense of our sexuality is affected by our um, hypothalamus. Now, the most direct way to your hypothalamus, which is part of your limbic system, your primitive brain, is through the olfactory. When we breathe things in, it goes right in. That is the most expedious way to get things into that limbic system. So when we take in certain smells, it goes in and it stimulates the sexual part of us, the part of us that wants to touch, the part of us mm-hmm. that wants to be there. And there are simple, there's an aromatherapy, an example would be jasmine. Jasmine is, a, 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 you know, it makes us feel really romantic and sweet and wonderful and <laughs> sensual. You know, it's a wonderful scent. So we, it's really important to pay attention to that because, yes, our sense of smell is directly connected to our hypothalamus. Our hypothalamus in the limit in our limbic system is our basic sexual drive. That's where it comes from. Wow, that's powerful. I think that people need to also come back that smells is a natural part of life. I think that there's a ton of people that are very, that any slightest scent of odor, all of a sudden they're very panicky of everyone can smell me. I shouldn't smell like this. And it, it's so tense. You're scared of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But yet we are, we are, we, we are driven by smell. You know, smell is probably the most important sense that we have, because if you think about it, you know, before people could really reason, they might see this fruit, let's say, and it looks good. You smell it and it smells terrible and they didn't eat it. Okay, so we needed that sense of smell because your sense of smell will alert you to many, many things. You're in a room and, and all of a sudden you smell smoke. Mm. right? You didn't see the fire, you smell it. And our sense of smell, it will really, it's a wonderful tool that will uh, alert us to many, many things and attract us to things. Absolutely. And I've also heard that smell is connected to something like a really high number of memories, like it Mm -hmm. can rejuvenate that as well. Exactly. And, you know, because we remember smells and if you smell something like, for example, if you walk in a room and you smell, you know, like cinnamon and let's say apple cider and cinnamon, you get that. What happens? Everybody gets that warm feeling. And in fact, they used to say, you know, like in the real estate business, if you were showing a house, make sure that you had some nice little cinnamon smell throughout the house because people would walk in and go, oh, this feels like home. 
just feels mm. comfortable. You know? That's true. We get those feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and a big part of what you do is all about staying youthful, right? You mentioned that it's preventative over cure. And so how does having a healthy sex life keep you youthful? Well, first off, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. <laughs> and fun is really, I mean, that's, that's part of the whole thing of being youthful. I mean, if you see somebody who's vibrant, who's energetic, doesn't matter how old they are, they appear younger than they are. And you're drawn to that person. You're drawn to older people who are more energetic, you know, than people who are, you know, slumped over. So it's really important to have that kind of energy and that vibrance. Sex keeps us young because it keeps us, we, we're touching. Touch is very important. We have that deep sense of feeling that connection with another human being. And that is very important to human beings. So the more we deal with that, the more we de-stress, which is one of the things that sex is very good for, is de-stressing and allowing us to relax, then we're bringing the body, we're balancing the body out and we're allowing the body to, uh, so to speak, stay younger. Absolutely. I think that play and fun is also something that adults need to realize that it's not registered just for younger people too. This is something that we were all supposed to have. It kind of goes back to what you said of we're all driven by pleasure. We want pleasure. We want fun. We want excitement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you, if someone makes a little, you know, a, a cute little, your husband and your wife, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever makes a cute little sort of sexual joke or something like that. Everybody gets, everybody gets that little twitch about yeah. them. You know, you get that youthfulness, like a little kid, you know, and we can go to that place and yes, play, which is really what sexuality is. It's a form of play is so important to human beings. You know, we have to pay attention to all the things that bring us and create human beings and make us happy. Mm hmm. And I think that sex definitely makes people happy, but going back to the importance of touch um, I feel like over the last few years, people have been a little bit more afraid to touch each other. And so we are losing our ability on all our senses, whether it's touch because of what's going on or smell because of the medications that we're taking. And it's really impacting us negatively. And I don't think that people are registering that it's because we're not experiencing with our senses. Exactly. Because the senses are there. Why do we have the senses? The senses are there so we can navigate the world. That's what they're for. And they're very important. I mean, take away your, your sense of taste. The whole, you know, I mean, I, I love the taste of food. I love that smells, you know, you go outside and you have this wonderful sense of smell, you smell a wonderful flower and what happens immediately we get that relaxation. You know, but we, you're absolutely right. We're not listening. We're not smelling. We're not tasting. We're just seeing with our eyes and what we see because of social media and everything, most of the time is not real. Mm -hmm. And so we begin to live in a very unreal world rather than a, 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 a sensual world where we're tactile. I also believe that we see things and they, we see things not as they are because we're so wrapped up in our head and our emotions and not our senses that when we do register something, we don't see it the way that it's supposed to be or the way it was intended. Right. Well, of course, we're all we're all subject to our perceptions and our biases and, you know, our cultures. And so when we we bring things in and we process things, how we have 
navigated through the world. It's very difficult. It's a lot of work to be able to step back objectively and see things for what they really are. And of course, that's that's the whole premise behind karma yoga is the ability to step back and objectively look at the world and see it for what it really is, which is just a great opportunity. That's yes. what the world is. So karma yoga, um, I just touched, um, I did a little bit of karma yoga. I did, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a certified instructor, but I did do 200 hours in Goa for yoga and karma yoga was something that I, it just felt good doing. Like it, some of it wasn't necessarily even yoga. It was just cleaning up, I guess the area of which we were in. And so why, in your opinion, is it so important for karma when it comes to health and happiness and wealth and peace in general? Because karma is you are what you think, what you say, and what you do. That's karma. That's what you are. And you are, and when you are aware of those things, then you have the ability to work those things in either a positive or a negative way. So karma is not about if I do something bad, I'm going to, something bad's going to come back to me. That's not karma. That's judgment. Karma is void of judgment. Karma simply means whatever energy you put out is the energy you put out is the energy you are. So if I'm just this really mean, nasty person, it's going to come back to me. Uh, that's what I am. I'm labeled that. And so people are going to treat me that way. They're not going to want to be around me. So that's the karma coming back. And it's up to me to figure out why I keep going through this repetitive cycle and how can I break it and, and, and work through my karma. Yes. And again, that comes back to self-accountability, which is, uh, I believe, a struggle in today's society. We don't actually allow people to have accountability. It's just something that they don't practice. And so do you have any advice for people to how they would be able to work on their karma? Well, it's it's the ability to step back and observe that's the real key to things. You know, when things are happening, there's a reason for that. And when you look at everything in your life coming at you as there's a reason and a purpose, and you can be content and be at peace with it and, and see it for what it is and then work it through, then you're working your karma. But what do we do? We resist everything. We fight everything, you know, and not everything in the world is perfect and it never will be. That's not the, that's not the design of the world. You know, so I like to, I tell my students all the time, war is never going to end. It's been here since the beginning of time. Famine is never going to, these things are never going to end. This is human nature. This is part of life. Now, what do we do with it? It's what you do with it and how you live within it that makes the difference in your karma. Absolutely. That was a beautiful explanation. Thank you for that. Yeah. Now, I, I assume that all of this good karma would come back as a is also beneficial for you to stay vibrant and radiant. But what other ways can you be able to stay youthful in that way? In well, the, the best things you can do is pay attention to your diet, your exercise and your sleep. Those are the three pillars. But you know, karma yoga teaches us that if you want to be successful at anything in life, and that can be youthfulness or whatever, you have to practice, practice, practice and keep practicing. You can't stop practicing. So when people say to me, you know, and I, I will share with you and your audience, I mean, I'm 70 years old and people say to me, oh, God, you look great for 70. You've got, I mean, I'm still teaching cycle classes. You know, I teach yoga classes. I'm a very active woman. There. How do you do this? And I say, guess what? 
I started in my youth and I never gave up. I continued. I've done this every day of my life. So you don't get here by just dreaming mm -hmm. or a magic bullet. You get here by practice, 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 and keep practicing, practicing, practicing. That's what it is about. And it, when you do those things and you really, you love yourself, and that's not an egotistical thing. That means I love Lynn enough to take care of her. And because I take care of her, she has so much more to give to other people. Yes. That's what that's what it's about. So we have to come back and take care of ourselves first. Absolutely. And you are an inspiration of this is just giving me more fuel because yes, holistic health, I would say that I got into it, I would say about three years ago, and I weighed 60 pounds heavier than I do now. And it was one of those things, like as soon as I stress was a lot of it, but the food I was not paying attention to, which was a big, big deal. And it's one of those things like you don't know what you don't know, but you can feel something's not right inside. You can feel it internally. Right. Well, that's the whole thing is feeling, but most of us live up here. Most people live up here and they're not going to feel down below here. I'm going to keep all this garbage going on up here. You know, the stress and anxiety rather than coming down and feeling what's going on when you feel it and you get in touch with who you really are and get in touch with yourself, then you can make those kinds of changes. And when you make those kinds of changes, if they become a lifestyle, not I'm on a diet today. I want to lose weight. No, it has to become a lifestyle yes. because most diets fail. 95% of diets fail. And the reason they fail is because it's called deprivation. We get back to that pleasure principle. You know, I'm going to take all the stuff you want away from you and I'm deprive you, deprive you, deprive you. And then, then what happens? All of a sudden it kicks in and you watch people, they'll put the weight right back on again because yes. it hasn't become lifestyle. And that's yes. the, that's the key. The key is lifestyle. And it's, it should be a lifestyle. And I think that does come down to it about loving yourself. And I took accountability that I, I thought that I loved myself. You know, I had this big, like, I love myself, rock my body, this and that. But then inside, I was like, I don't feel like I'm loving myself when I look like this. And so now that I've done this lifestyle change of going, going more organic and non-toxic, now I feel like I feel like I really do love myself. I'm taking the steps because it is very difficult out here in the West, especially when it comes to diet. Exactly. Exactly. Are you in, are you in the West coast? I'm in Canada. So I'm over in Ontario around Toronto. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, cause I lived, I, I worked primarily in Los Angeles. I spent 30 years in LA, right in the, you know, the beautiful people, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, and it, and, the wonderful thing about Los Angeles at that time was that, you know, all of this, it was much easier to be a naturopath and much easier to, to do the things that I was doing back in the day when I started, because when I started out as a naturopath uh, 40 years ago, we were called quacks. Mm. We were made fun of. Oh my God. What are you talking about? Vitamins and minerals. What are you talking about food and exercise? You know, we were, it was considered quackery and yet it was basic science. That's what it is. It's basic science. You know, there's no, I'm not a witch. It's no hocus pocus. It's just science. And that really is what the sexual, natural se sexual health book is about, is it's really the science of your sexuality and how to support your sexuality.
And these are all things that we can do. And I think that's what's very mm -hmm. important that it's not dependent on a pharmaceutical company or a gut, like it's not dependent on these other things. I think that people have mistaken that their health is in the hands of someone else. Right. No, it's not your health. You know, your body more than anyone. Mm -hmm. You do, you know, your body. Now, if you give it over to someone, you're giving away your energy, you know, and, and you really need to take accountability for yourself and get in touch with yourself, have a conversation with yourself, know yourself, and then you'll know which direction to go in. Absolutely. Now you mentioned out of the three pillars that sleep is a big one. And I was, I've seen and heard a lot of debate over how many hours people should sleep and you know, what time it is personally, when I kept a same schedule over and over again, I see that that was definitely something that helped me get healthier, but is there a set of hours that we should be sleeping? Well, uh, uh, you know, sleep is the big mystery. I mean, even, even yeah. doctors and scientists tell you, they don't understand what, why do we have to sleep? We know we have to sleep and, and how do we, you know, how do we deal with this thing called sleep? Because a, the, a recent study said that 70% of Americans suffer from some kind of sleep disorder. That's mm -hmm. a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So it, you know, we have the benchmark of eight hours, but, um, you know, it needs to be quality hours, too. So, you know, e quality and, and quantity have to work together, to, um, uh, you know, and the body, the body really, it needs sleep. So here's kind of how it works. When we go to sleep, what happens is we have this thing called the pineal gland, and it's also known as the third eye. Yes. And it is the only organ in our body other than our eyes that can de detect direct sunlight. So it, it directs that. That's why you need a dark room, because what happens when we go to sleep, the pineal gland comes in and it's dark and it goes, oh, I can produce some melatonin, but I need some serotonin, which is the feel good transmitter, because that remember, I said synergy before mm -hmm. the melatonin, you got to have serotonin. So the two of them work together. So when that happens, the melatonin is really, it's like an anti um, antioxidant. It goes in and I like to say it goes in and it cleans up all the garbage you've created throughout the day in your brain. You know, there's a lot of garbage in there. We all do that. And that's why it's so important to get sleep. That's what keeps you healthy. That's what keeps you young because you need it to go in and think of your brain as a big computer that needs to have all of that malware taken out of there, all the stuff that we put in so that we can then come back and be rejuvenated. So it's not a matter of just getting sleep and the hours. It has to do with your glands, with your hormones, with what you're producing and how you're producing. Oh, wow. Um, I actually read a study too about light and it was about young kids that were going to, it was something to do with the children that went to sleep with night lights ended up developing near sight. They needed glasses, um, basically, um, because of it. So that just came out, but also like our, you can't look at your phone right before you go to bed either. Right, right, right. Because what happens is every time you look at a light, it stimulates the eyes and it stimulates the pineal gland and pineal gland goes, Oh, I don't need to produce any melatonin. It's daytime. You know, it, that's how it, so what it needs as it goes into the darkness, then it starts to produce things. So your body produces things that we need. We just throw it off course by keeping the cell phone there, you know? So it's important to let the body do its job naturally. 
and not to be putting chemicals in and not to be putting sleeping pills and things like that in. If you let the body, if you let nature, she will give you all the answers. They're all there. We yes. just ignore them, right? Uh, to your point, I do think that when it comes to a lot of people going into more natural health, people do villainize it. They immediately, like, they just, and it, I don't believe it's the people that villainize it. I believe it's the messaging that they've been told and that's why they have it because it's just something that we've grown up with. Like, oh, that can't actually work. I'm going to go see my doctor who puts you on a million pills, none of which actually solve the problem. And a lot of it, yes. And the more information and research I do, it comes back to nutrition always. <laughs> Always. Absolutely. But you can't, you know, the, the, the pharmaceutical companies can't make any money off nutrition. They make yeah. money off pills. You know, you have to look, have to take two steps back and realize that a lot of our world is driven by greed. It's driven by the almighty dollar, you know, mm -hmm. and when you step back, yeah, it, 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 if you are eating natural foods and you're sleeping and you're exercising then you're not on drugs and pills. You're not spending money on that stuff. They're not making money. So mm -hmm. it's much it's much better to tell you, well, take this pill and take it forever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Then go, go to the grocery store and buy some groceries that you need and get some sleep and exercise. If I, t I tell you that, you're like, well, thank you, Lynn, and you're gone. But if I say, no, you got to keep coming back to me because I'm going to keep giving you this pill or whatever, right? I've got you hooked. Mm hmm. And yeah. even the food sources. So in Canada, United States, I know that they don't need to label GMO, GMO foods and, you know, people have their opinions about it. But I don't think I do think that people should really research into organics versus GMOs, organics versus something else. And I would love to hear your opinion on organic food or if there's a difference in your opinion. Well, we have to be very careful with the organic label because it's kind of, we can stretch that out there is something really organic. Does that mm -hmm. mean I just didn't use any pesticides on it? But what else did I do? So we really have to pay careful attention to that. If we if we were really to eat the way we truly should eat, we would eat in season and local. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be eating stuff that's shipped from some other country or, you know, that that's picked before it's even ripe. I mean, that's really the ideal way, but we don't live in that kind of a world. We don't live in that kind of society. I'm always cautious when we start messing around with mother nature. Yeah. <laughs> okay. When we start saying, well, I'm going to take a peach and I'm going to take a plum and I'm going to mix them together and make something different. You know, it's like, well, I don't know about that. Maybe we should just leave the peach and the plum alone, you know, and, and, and let them do their job. So when we get into modifying foods, that's always, I always have this cautionary thing that goes mm -hmm. up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with? This has been an exciting and very powerful conversation. Mm -hmm. I absolutely enjoyed it. Well, two things I, I would always say, I would say that the most important thing in your life is your health. And if you think about it, when your health disappears, nothing matters. You know, Steve Jobs, he had all the money in the world. He, he, he couldn't fix his health. So your health is the most important thing. The second thing is to be true to yourself. That is essential in life. If you can do those two things, you're on a great path in this world. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Lynn. This has been inspirational. And where can my listeners find you? Um, they can go to my website, which is drlynn.com. It's spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R-L-Y-N-N.com. There's my classes, my books about me. There's consultations. There's everything that they need to know is right there. Absolutely. I will be sure to add all the links in the description as well for the podcast. And for my listeners, I will see you on Wednesday. And as always, stay kinky.